Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Dahlia Mertens. She is owner, founder, and CEO at Mary Jane's Medicinals, as well as new brand for her, Mary Jane's Botanicals. We're going to talk to her a little bit about the history of the business. Dahlia has been in this world of cannabis for quite some time some really great insights. And I'm really kind of curious to hear more about the story, how they've built the company, some choices they've made, and, you know, really kind of take on where the industry is at this point. You know, we've, the industry has grown. There's been a lot of changes the last couple of years. So I think for someone who's been in here for a while, uh, can probably shed some interesting insights and perspectives on, you know, how things have played out. So I'm excited for the conversation. With that, Dahlia, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time. So let's start with background. You know, you've been involved in cannabis for, for some time. And, you know, I'm always curious to hear the story about how that came about, why cannabis, what were the early stages like? Give us a little bit of the backstory. Sure, sure. Well, if you told me I was going to be in cannabis when I was in high school or even in college, I wouldn't have believed you. But it is kind of funny how it just happened organically. 
I actually got my degree in theater and I uh, went to school in Boulder, but then I moved back to New York where I'm originally from and was doing theater, working on film and television sets. And then the mountains just kept calling me back and I ended up back in Telluride. I had always envisioned myself living here, but I thought it was going to have to be when I was older and I had made some money. But instead, I ended up rolling out here when I was 27 with 700 bucks in my pocket. Mm -hmm. And when I got out here, I kind of had to reinvent myself a little bit. I still got to do theater, which has been a passion of mine since I was a child. But I wasn't able to make a living at it. So um, there was a massage school here. And I thought, well, I'd always been interested in natural healing, herbal medicine, kind of more of a natural, holistic approach to healing and health. And I was like, well, you know, I could get certified as a massage therapist and, and see where that leads me. So I worked in spas for about six years and did massage during that time. While I was working in spas, I got introduced to a lot of different body products, and I always gravitated to the herbal body products and, and the ones that were natural and organic. And I started thinking to myself during that time, well, you know, maybe I could start my own line of herbal body products. But I didn't have any experience, you know, starting a business aside from a, a scrunchy company I, I, I started in the fourth grade, which actually had some <laughs> success. <laughs> yeah. um, so I didn't really know where to start. But the wheels in my head started turning, like maybe I could do this. And I'd always kind of had an entrepreneurial spirit, but I didn't know where to start. And then um, it was the off season of 2009 and Telluride, we have an off season in the fall and in the spring. That's when tourists aren't here. Everything slows down and there's not a lot of work. And uh, my friend had a farm out in Trinity County in California and he was growing cannabis. He needed some help with the harvest. And so I went out there to, to check it out. And it was cool when I uh, first drove in, it was like this epic drive, like this 28 hour drive out there. And we drove in at sunset and it was a really beautiful evening with you know gold and orange lights. And, and they were like, well, you guys want to go see uh, the Valley of the Giants? That's what they called their garden. And uh, so they walked us over to this hillside and um, I had never seen cannabis plants growing outside like that before. They were just big, and beautiful, and the warm colors of the sunset were just glistening off these massive colas. It was really a magical moment. And uh, the thought crossed into my head when I saw these plants that, you know, like, wow, yeah, these plants really are special. And it was funny, as soon as that thought entered into my mind, this uh, five-fingered fan leaf gently caressed my cheek. And I was like, ooh, they heard me. <laughs> they are special. <laughs> but while I was out there, a girlfriend of mine had infused some grapeseed oil with cannabis, and she offered to give me a neck massage with it. We were infusing everything with cannabis at Weed Camp. I call it Weed Camp. But I, <laughs> but I had never heard of cannabis being used topically before. So when she offered to give me this massage, well, I wasn't going to say no to massage, but I did. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to do anything, you know. But to my surprise, as soon as she applied the oil, I felt relief of the tension in my neck. I felt an increase in circulation. It, it felt really nice. I didn't feel high at all, but I did feel therapeutic benefits to my tight muscles. Mm -hmm. And in 2009 was when um, it was right after Obama had signed the Cole memo, which said that the feds wouldn't get involved with states laws or rights. And um, so that really opened it up in Colorado for people to uh, start their cannabis businesses, because we'd actually voted to legalize medicinal marijuana in the early 2000s, I think it was 2002. But it didn't really gain momentum until Obama had had signed this memo. But anyway, so dispensaries were popping up right and left. They called it the Green Rush. And um, and when I was still out there in California, I was thinking, well, maybe I could, you know, 
start my own little line of cannabis infused massage oils and, and get it into spas or, you know, I just, the wheels just started turning my head. I was like, and that's, and I thought maybe this is something I really could do. So when I got back to Colorado, I started experimenting in my kitchen at home, just mixing up different massage oils, going online, learning how to make a salve. And back then, there was very little information about cannabis being used topically. It was very little known. Um, I found a couple companies out of California that were making them. But other than that, there's very little information and I couldn't find how to make them or, you know, or why or how they worked. But I decided to go for it anyway. And um, I learned how to make a massage oil and I learned how to do an infusion and I started um, using it on my clients. Mm-hmm. I would always ask them, you know, let them know what it was. And, and almost all the time people were open to the idea of it. Mm-hmm. And at first I thought it was just going to make for a more relaxing massage, you know, with some increased benefits for tight muscles and stuff like that. But to my surprise, I started getting the most amazing testimonials back from my clients. And it was all different things across the board, like uh, nerve damage, circulation is- issues, skin problems, abnormal skin cells, um, migraines, cold sores, just all different things across the board. And every time I would get a testimonial, I'd be like, wow, how does it do that too? You know, (laughs) (laughs) but I got excited and I was like, wow, I think we're really onto something here. So I I created my brand. I started with a real shoestring budget. I think I made about $1,500 when I was out trimming weed and that was my seed money for the business. Um, I called in favors where I could. I got my best friend to do my branding. She's a really talented artist. Her name is Liz Lomax. You can check her out at lizlomax.com. And I just, you know, did whatever I could. When I would sell 10 bottles of massage oil, then I would have a little bit more money to buy some more labels or to buy some more almond oil or, you know, whatever. So I, I grew the business very organically, which was good for me because I had no business experience really, you know, so I was able to learn from the ground up and grow organically with my business. So when I hit the road, you know, driving around the state to knock on dispensary doors, I would show them my product and they would giggle at me and tell me it was cute, but they thought I was selling snake oil because nobody had heard about cannabis being used topically, you know. But mm-hmm. I, I would just uh, I would just give them a bunch of little sample salves and I'd say, you try it and, you know, if you like it, if it works for you, just give me a call. And uh, fortunately, that technique worked and I just, the calls started rolling in and people started ordering and the word about topicals got out there. And, um, you know, 11 years later, we're one of the top topical companies in Colorado and we've expanded to several more states and uh, we're helping uh, thousands of people. So I'm, I'm super stoked. Yeah, no, it's a great story. And just the fact that you've been doing this for some period of time now, you've really seen the industry kind of grow and change. I'm curious in the beginning, um, you know, it, it, dealing with cannabis and a topical, I mean, is this, were you able to leverage, I guess, other botanicals that were incorporated into kind of topical formulas and stuff? I mean, what, what was, I guess, what's similar from kind of a process point of view, cannabis to other, you know, botanicals that you do and what's different, what makes cannabis unique and, and how do you have to treat it differently, I guess, from a product point of view? Sure. Well, certainly I've grown this incredible respect for cannabis over the years and it's definitely our active ingredient. You know, I think it's the number one ingredient in our products that really make a substantial impact on people's health and well-being. But I also just love natural medicine and herbs and all of that. So I would just do research on on what other essential oils and what herbs had 
beneficial properties that I thought would complement cannabis. You know, it was all very much a learning experience for me because I also, I never went to herbal school or anything like that, but I had worked with a lot of different herbal products. So I would gravitate to like this really beautiful Arnica massage oil that this local woman would make here in town. And so I kind of just pulled different inspirations from people. I incorporated Arnica into my products because Arnica also really helps the body heal. And that's what cannabis does. Cannabis promotes your body's healing response. And that's why it works for so many different things. And I've learned that over the years now. In the beginning, I was just like, well, I have no idea how this is working or why this is working, but it's working, you know. But now I've learned about the endocannabinoid system and how the phytocannabinoids, the THC and CBD work within the human body. So yeah, in the early days, I just knew that Arnica promoted healing and and that's what it seemed that cannabis was doing. So I would utilize that. Lavender has antispasmodic effects and other healing benefits, also calming effects. So that seemed like it would complement cannabis. Peppermint, citrus has pain relieving effects. You know, I just got online and did as much research as I could on to learn what other herbs would have pain relieving effects or, you know, relaxing effects. So it was kind of just me having fun with potions and and yeah. seeing what, what worked and brewing up different concoctions. Yeah. No, that was actually one of my favorite games when I was a little girl. My mom would catch me in the backyard mixing up potions. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then you made it a business. I love it. Hey, tell me a little bit about kind of your customers and how that has changed over time. I mean, in the early days, who was really buying the product and how has that evolved? Sure, sure. So in the early days, back in 2009, 2010, I think the statistic is that like 85 to 90 of customers going into dispensaries were young males. Mm-hmm. And young men don't really buy body products, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I thought I'd create this like fun, cute nurse with a lot of cleavage and maybe that might attract some guys. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I got some skaters on it in the early days. But really these products, I mean, these products work for anybody because we all burn ourselves. We all tweak our knee. You know, we all injure ourselves or have different little issues. But for older folks who have more kind of chronic pain, arthritis, neuralgia, you know, stuff like that, Older folks can really benefit from this. We've gotten a lot of testimonials from people over the years that are reporting back to us that they've been able to get off their opioid regimens with use of topicals. So I've seen, you know, as as the clientele has kind of expanded or diversified that are going into dispensaries, you know, at first I saw the older folks kind of jump on the bandwagon and be like, oh, wow, you know, this is... This is something that's working for us. But uh, now we get testimonials just from just about anybody, you know, a young person who has acne issues or a middle-aged person that has, you know, knee issues, but can you use it before they go skiing and then they can ski better. And then older folks that have arthritis or or people going through chemo treatments. It works really well for kind of the nerve issues that people experience as a result of chemo or some of the skin issues like rashes, I guess people get when they're going through chemo. Um, the topicals yeah. really help with both of those things. So now our, our clientele is totally across the board. But yeah, it started as young men, then the old folks found out and now everybody's using it. Yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> As the business has grown, I'm kind of curious what uh, the challenges you've had to overcome, you know, whether it's kind of logistics and industry, whether it's, you know, kind of your own kind of learning and development, you know, walk us through some of the changes or, or you know, big, big obstacles to the company as you've grown. Sure. So when I first started, there was no regulation here in Colorado. The marijuana enforcement division hadn't been created yet. So for about the first year and a half, it was just a free for all. And that was actually made it possible for me to get into the industry because, you know, I didn't have a lot of startup capital um, and I didn't have a lot of know-how. So I was able to just start this in my kitchen at home on, you know, very little startup capital and just kind of experiment and grow with it. And then a year and a half in, the marijuana enforcement division was created here in Colorado. And all of a sudden there was like this big application with all these background checks application fees that were steep to me at the time. I had to get a dedicated kitchen with a a security system and all this stuff. So all of a sudden, I had all this put in front of me and it was very intimidating to me. I looked at this like 30 page application and I was like, I didn't really know where to start. So I was, I was procrastinating doing it because I, I didn't really have, my business was still really small at the time. Maybe I had a few thousand dollars in the bank at that point, but really still just starting it up. And um, I think I kind of put the numbers together that I was going to have to come up with about eight to 10 grand to be compliant with this new, you know, the new regulations. And I was procrastinating doing the application and and just wondering if, you know, maybe I shouldn't do this. And it was going to be all the money that I had in the world and then some to be able to get this application in and the application fees. And I called my mom the day before it was due and I told her, you know, where I was at. And I was like, well, you know, I, I might not be able to pay rent next month, you know, if I pay this application fee and I don't know how much, you know, So I almost gave up at that point. And my mom told me, she's like, you know what, just fill out the application and send in that check. And she helped me out with a couple thousand dollars. My sister and my mom scraped together $3,000 for me at that moment and gave it to me. And they said, you know what, use this to get your little kitchen. And and then my my boyfriend at the time helped me install a security system on the cheap. And so yeah, she, she, she said, she said, don't give up. And so I sat down and I filled out that bear of an application. And I sent a check in for all my money in the world to the marijuana enforcement division, the Department of Revenue. And I held my breath. And um, yeah, several months later, I got my my business license in the mail and I was approved. And and uh, then I just started really kind of hitting the road and going for it. So so my mom was really pivotal at that at that moment. I think I may have just kind of walked away. And I'm, I'm really glad I didn't. Then as the regulations Every year, the MED, Marijuana Enforcement Division, but we call it the MED, you know, comes up with more regulations and more labeling and container standards. And, you know, every year we have to evolve. And so you just have to be ready for that. It's it's very different from, I think, a normal business. You know, as I said, I've never really, this, this is my first business, so I can't really compare. But For example, banking. I've had six bank accounts shut down on me over the years. And it's, you know, that's really challenging not having you you need you need banking to run a business. I would pay my employees with envelopes of cash and pay my 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 rent with a big fat envelope of cash and you know, like it is ridiculous. I now do have a bank that works with me and they know what I'm doing. I have to pay them steep 
banking fees and pay them a thousand bucks a month, but I get that's on the cheap end. Yeah. <laughs> but I have real banking now. Um, taxation has also been an issue. I've been audited twice. Fortunately, I've come out of each audit with flying colors. But, you know, in, in cannabis, there's a law called 280E, which essentially says you can't write off any business expenses because the feds look at us as if we're trafficking a Schedule One substance. So we have to deal with that as well. So there's a lot of challenges, a lot of regulation, and the business has changed dramatically over the years. You know, when I when I hit the road back in 2009, 2010, driving around knocking on dispensary doors, anybody could get in at that time. You know, now they do extensive background checks. So there was all kinds of characters I was talking to, you know, back in the day. And then as it's evolved, it's become certainly a lot more professional. And I think that's really good. There's also um, in the beginning, even when the regulations came on, you know, a lot of like small businesses were able to transition a lot of mom and pops. So in, in the early first few years, you know, I dealt with a lot of individual proprietors, sole proprietors, mom and pops, people like me that were just starting a business, they had an idea, and they were just making a go at it. Now we see a lot of big corporations coming online, a lot of big money. You know, I've seen I've seen some of my friends that started like me take on investment partners and and some of those relationships have worked out, but some of them really didn't and they had their businesses stolen from underneath them or ended up that they were shady or you know just different things. So I I was hesitant. You know, I actually tried to take on some investment money early on because I thought I was going to need it to to be compliant. I have a an uncle who's been very successful in business and I approached him and the benefit he did me at that time was he said, well, hey, write out a business plan, which is something I hadn't done yet, even though I'd been operating my business for a couple of years. He's like, write out a business plan and then come to me with a proposal. So that forced me to write a business plan, which I think is also a very valuable tool in business. It, I think it's really important to know where you're going, to have a trail map, you know, and and so that gave me insight. I had to do a lot of research on the industry, the potential of where it could go. And then it gave me, you know, a map of, of where I wanted to go. So so I brought that to my uncle and he was very impressed with my work, but he's also quite conservative and didn't want to get involved in quote unquote, a uh, controlled substance. So so I, I didn't get investment money at that moment. And then over the years, I have had different groups approach me. I had kind of a larger group out of Canada approach me in 2017. They wanted to acquire my company, but they just wanted to give me a bunch of stock. And I knew that my business had real value, but I didn't know that theirs did yet. I knew they had a lot of financial backing, you know, and all that stuff, but I didn't know if they were going to be successful, you know? So at that point I bowed out. I, I decided not to take that deal. And I, I'm really glad I did now because I look at their stock now and they were, um, they're pennies on the dollar now from mm-hmm. when they approached me, which we've seen with a lot of these big companies that have just thrown a ton of money at it, but not necessarily, they just, they become too big, too fast or too top heavy. Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, you know, we've seen some of these companies do well, but I think a lot of times if, if the growth isn't healthy or organic or, you know, too top heavy that these things crumble. And we've seen that with a bunch of these big companies. So several. Yeah. yeah. So when I uh, saw these kind of big corporations coming online, I was like, oh, my God, maybe I do need to get involved with one of these right now. But now we've seen that maybe that's not the most sustainable business practice. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm fortunate that I have been able to grow my business very organically and completely off of its own 
its own earnings aside from the the $3,000 that my my sister and mom helped me with back in the beginning. You know, it's really just uh, operated off of of the money that it's generated, which I think is is a rare way that people people don't really grow businesses that way so much these days. You know, usually you get a bunch of investment money and and you, you do it that way. But I feel very fortunate that I have been able to grow it organically because I needed to grow too through this whole process. And so I've been able to grow along with it. And I've learned so much over the years. I Although I have seen some companies, you know, that did take on investment money earlier on and were able to manage it wisely. And as a result, we're able to grow really fast. So it's a double-edged sword, you know, but I'm, I'm happy that I still own 100% of my company and that we're still in the game. And, um, and then I'm still yeah, thinking. yeah. I'm I'm curious. Do you think that um, you know a company could could start the way you started in in today's environment? Well, you would definitely need more startup capital in today's environment. Um, yeah. Pretty much all states have have pretty steep application fees now. Some states are incredibly limited, and you need like millions of dollars to get into the game. But uh, there are states like Colorado, for example. The licensing fees are about three thousand dollars for a business license probably 5,000 with your local as well. And then you probably need about 10,000 to be compliant. So, you know, maybe in Colorado, you could start with like 30,000 or 40,000 seed money, but it's just such, it's much more saturated now and much more competitive. So it would be, it would be almost impossible to start how I started, but you could possibly start with, you know, maybe, maybe 30 to $50,000 and a really yeah. good idea. You need a really good idea, something unique. So it's possible, but and probably not. Do you think, I mean, is that good? Is that bad? Is that is just kind of the way things go? I mean, I, I'm curious what your kind of take is on from the early days and, and how you saw the kind of the industry taking shape to now how it's being kind of grown and developed. I mean, what, what do you feel is like working well in the industry? What is what is a, a problem from your point of view? Well, I think one of the problems, Florida and New York and New Jersey, creating these really limited licensing structures where you have to have political connections and a ton of money to be able to, you know, get in or even be considered for one of these, you know, few licenses. I don't think that's the American way. Of course, now I'm losing hope with you know, the wage gap and all of that. But, (laughs) you know, I think in those states, they make it pretty much impossible for an entrepreneur that would be someone similar to me or even somebody that had, you know, more experience and even more money than me to get in. It's, It's so restrictive. And it's, you know, you just have to rub elbows with the right people and have very deep pockets. And I'm so I'm not I'm not a fan of that model at all. Um, I think Colorado has done a good job where, um, you know, you need a few thousand dollars to cover the licensing. But anybody who passes their background check and, um, you know, can get in. So I think that's a lot more based on the original American dream. And, and I like that model much better than these limited licensing models. So I think there are a few states where, where entrepreneurs with a good idea can still get in. But then there's a bunch of states that just make it impossible and you have to be part of a big corporation to even be considered. Yeah. Yeah. And um, from a product point of view, where have you seen the trends? You know, I guess what, what has been the trends for you on the topical side? What other kind of product formats or you know, um, mm-hmm. kind of modes of application you know, have you seen kind of come about? Where do you think this is going? I'm just I'm curious where you're seeing the market develop. 
Sure. Well, I was fortunate to get into the topical realm. It was a beautiful little niche. And since I was just a, a single entrepreneur with, you know, not a lot of startup capital, it was really great that, that I didn't have a lot of competition out the gate. And I was kind of able to help create this little niche in the market. Um, as the word about topicals have gotten out, I have a ton of competitors now. Companies mm-hmm. with deep pockets that aren't going for profitability, but just going for market share. So, you know, I've heard of one of my competitors is paying bud tenders, you know, five dollars every time a a jar of their product you know so like that's tough for me to compete with but it's also not sustainable that kind of business practice so i'm just going to keep hanging on in there you know (laughs) where do i see products going well if i look at you know I'll, i'll focus on the topical realm more but um yeah all different kinds of topicals coming out now the number one reason why people use topicals is for pain relief but it's also amazing for skin and it has anti-aging properties. So I think, you know, we've, I've seen a lot of CBD. The whole CBD realm has really actually affected the topical category too, because now a lot of people are just, you can buy CBD products so much more easily. You don't have to go to a dispensary in a legal state and, you know, all that stuff. So, so you know, we've seen tons of CBD products hit the market. And I think a lot of them, you know, I think CBD on its own does have benefits, but I also am a huge proponent of the entourage effect and THC. When you use THC topically, it, it doesn't get you high, but it does have a lot of therapeutic effects, pain relief, anti-inflammatory, it promotes healing. So so I've seen these the CBD products, you know, create kind of a big stir in the market. But I think once we get to federal legalization, and when THC products can be available to more people, that it will kind of turn back around and people will want to have THC and CBD in their topicals. We're also seeing nanotechnology, which is um, cannabinoids, THC and CBD, they tend to attract each other. So they create these kind of big globules that, um, that are too large to penetrate through the skin which is a benefit in some ways because they will still bind. You have you have millions and millions of receptors in the layers of your skin, and those molecules will bind to those receptors in the layers of your skin and send messages through your nervous system to promote healing or pain relief. So, so in that respect, the topicals are great because they will just interact topically and not get into the bloodstream and get you high. A lot of people don't want that, you know. But we're seeing with nanotechnology that you can break down the molecules so they're smaller, and then they can penetrate more deeply into the skin and also you can you can nanoize cannabinoids and take them internally as well and then they have more bioavailability they absorb more quickly they don't have to go through the liver to be processed so the nanotechnology is pretty exciting in the sense that it becomes more bioavailable we're actually experimenting we just created a new product at Mary Jane's called Super Strength Nano Salve where um, we use a high potency, it's a thousand milligrams total, 500 CBD, 500 THC, and wow. nanoize a good portion of those cannabinoids. And uh, we have gotten a lot of great feedback concerning pain. A lot of people have said that this product is really effective, even more so than original when it comes to pain relief. So so that's um, kind of an exciting innovation that, that we're working with as well. But I'm also just a huge proponent of the whole plant. As I uh, said, I kind of came to this from a holistic, you know, background or interest in health and well-being. And I'm, I'm convinced that, well, it's, it's also science 
supports this, but there's so many synergies in that cannabis plant and it's been evolving, you know, over thousands and thousands of years. And a lot of my competitors are using concentrates or extracts where you'll pull just the THC or just the CBD out of the plant and then put that into the product. But um, at Mary Jane's, we do a whole plant infusion process too. We're actually just grind up the whole plant and we do a proprietary whole plant infusion process that's real gentle and um, maintains a lot of, well, the full spectrum of cannabinoids because there's so many more cannabinoids than just CBD and THC that have therapeutic effects. And when they all can work together, they're just more, more effective. But there's also terpenes in cannabis. Those are the chemicals that give them their smell. You can think of terpenes as like essential oils, like the essential oil of lavender is primarily the terpenes that are found in the lavender plant. So, so um, they have aromatherapy components, but also terpenes work with the cannabinoids to make your body more receptive to those chemicals. So we maintain the, the terpenes. And then there's also other chemicals like flavonoids and those have sorry what's the word but they have a lot of really therapeutic effects too so um so you really want to grab all of those chemicals in the plants you know like nature has a lot of wisdom i i believe that and um i I don't think i'm smarter than that plant so one thing that we you know one of our main focuses at mary jane's is that whole plant medicine and maintaining that the, the integrity of that plant yeah, excellent. Dahlia, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about the products, what's the best way to get that information? Antioxidants. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Antioxidant properties. <laughs> I love it. Oh, okay. Um, well, our website is maryjanesmedicinals.com for our THC-infused products. Maryjanesbotanicals.com is our recently launched CBD line. Those products can be purchased online right off the website and sent to your home. Our THC products have to be purchased at dispensaries. Our products are available in medical and recreational dispensaries all across the state of Colorado and in medical dispensaries in Oklahoma and New Mexico. We will be available in Nevada early next year. And um, you can check us out on Instagram at Mary Jane's Meds or at Mary Jane's Hemp. And um, and we're on Facebook too. So uh, check us out. Awesome. I'll make sure that the URLs and the links and the handles and everything are in the show notes so people can get that information. Dahlia, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Oh, thank you, Bruce. I've enjoyed my time with you. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.